What's up, goons? I am in Texas. I am alone. I am unjoined by my stalwart producer, Michael Harrington. Uh, but he is very stalwart. If you remember on the last episode, I told him I was going to make him uh, text Tony Hinchcliffe. I did. <laughs> Tony did not text him back, and Mike was very pissed at me for a while. But I'm in Austin on a Monday, and I'm recording this about three hours before my first ever appearance on Kill Tony. So Mike, between Mike and Rebecca Trent, both texting Tony, all it then took was him asking Ryan Long if I was funny. So three people had to recommend me to get on a show. But I'm doing it later, and Austin has been fantastic. I'm going to talk to Rebecca a little bit about the burgeoning comedy scene here uh, later on in the episode. I'm just talking to myself. I'm having a beer. I'm probably not going to go too nuts on this episode, but... I'm happy to talk, and I'm happy to talk about Texas. I had a great weekend. One of my best friends, Ian, lives down here. We got good and saucy. It's a fantastic town. People are nice here. I think I might come back down here just to ride a bull in the next three months. I found a guy who told me he could get me a guy where I can wrestle an alligator and ride a bull in the same weekend. And uh, if you guys know me, you know those are two things I've got to do, like if one of them kills me, that's fine. I think it's fine. I would like to do both of these things. But we've got to talk about some other... Ah, you know what? Let's talk a little bit more about this. Went did a libertarian show with Rob Bernstein at the weirdest place I've ever been. This guy had 10,000 VHS tapes. All of his walls were VHS tapes. Still had a tube TV with a VHS player built into it next to a flat screen TV. And the tube TV, I'm like, all right, well, you can play a little duck hunt on this son bitch. You know what I mean? You can't do that shit on anything else. But very weird. People are super nice down here. A lot of homeless, though. A lot of homeless. Also, three shootings have happened within blocks of where I was standing, which is fucking crazy. Uh, very nice, though, down here. Having a good time myself, personally. Um, and just... This, you know, we were in Houston for Skankfest. You don't really see much of a city when you're doing that much stuff. This, I'm like kind of just hanging out. I'm like, this is a fucking cool place. I see why a million people move down here. It is a fucking cool place to live. They've got uh, food every 10 feet. Uh, the bars are relatively cheap. And that's enough. And honestly, people are complaining about the homeless. They're not particularly aggressive. I saw, I saw a crazy homeless guy on Texas A&M, but that was two hours away. He was throwing some shit and it was whatever. In this town, they've all been super respectful homeless people. I don't know why people get so mad about the homeless. I personally like the homeless. I think there should be more of them around. Um, I'm kidding. The homeless suck. They're the worst. And we all want, I know we want to feel bad for them, but like it's hard to feel bad for the homeless. My mom was homeless. You guys all know that, right? We all know it. So it's like it's hard to do when you know she was hanging out with shitty people. She was one of them. She was getting drunk on the street like a crazy person because she was. That's what happens with homeless people. When you create, I was talking to somebody before, and they just go, yeah, you create a thing, and then lo and behold, there's homeless people. Like, there was a thing in Canada where like, they were like, oh, well, like, you know, the homeless are alcoholics. We got to get them booze. So they just built them a trailer park and started sending them booze and cigarettes. I was like, that sounds pretty sweet. Just a free trailer park. Free, like think about it, any trailer park needs more booze and cigarettes. That's the whole point of living in a trailer park. Just a freely. You see trailer park boys. You know what I'm talking about. We're getting into it. All right, I'm gonna have a sip of this beer. 
I do have to talk about probably the most important news story of the last six weeks. The Barilla Pasta Company has been sued. They've been sued uh, uh, by Italy because it's called it's advertises Italy's number one brand of pasta. The popular brand Barilla will face a lawsuit over accusations it misled customers to believe the products are made products made in Iowa and New York were actually made in Italy. I you know why I love this? It just further proves that fucking Italians are dumb. I'm telling you, I remember when Barilla became a pasta and like was available everywhere. And all of a sudden, every Italian I ever met was so susceptible to advertising, they threw their Ronzoni away. Ronzoni held you down, bitch. You didn't have any other pasta. You needed that. You, and you threw that away. You were like, nah, I need the number one Italy pasta. Meanwhile, it was just the Foster's beer of pastas. You fucking... I'm sure it's fine. I actually used to, when I was trying to lose weight, I would eat the lentil fucking Barilla pasta, and people would call me a gavone. I'm telling you, the Italians, only people worse than them are the Irish. Half and half, so I can say that. Fucking come at me, you fucking stupid fucking dagos and mixing. I'll fucking kill you. I'm also very mad at them because I read Ethnic America by Thomas L., a black man who hates all races. Um, but yeah, Barilla Pasta getting sued isn't actually made in Italy. Fantastic news. This is fantastic news. This every nail in the coffin of the Italian American identity is fantastic. Whenever I find out an Italian American finds out that they don't pronounce it Gamba Ghoul over there, I'm never happier. Just never, never. Mozzarella. When they find out that they don't, nobody says fresh muds. Not one. Not not. There's not a single tape up. In the entire country of Italy, not one person goes to a barber and goes, let me get a skin fade. Not one, you fucking idiots. So yeah, Barula Pasta, not not happening anymore. I'm fucking, make your own, first of all, if you really want to eat pasta like they eat in Italy, just make some pasta. It's super easy to make fresh pasta. You know how easy it is to make parpadella and you just roll it out and cut it? Fucking simple. You don't even need a pasta maker, you fucking idiots. Just make some fucking dough. Buy, go buy some semolina flour on Amazon and make some fucking dough. You ain't got no dough, you poor bitches. What else we got to talk about? We got other shit. We got to dough. We got to do all sorts of shit. Um, this is a weird... Uh, I want to talk about this. The Atlantic put out an article about COVID amnesty. COVID amnesty, oh my God. And of course, it's the Atlantic that puts out the article about COVID amnesty, right? Because the Atlantic uh, uh, has a bunch of readers of people who probably should feel embarrassed about the way they behave during COVID. I've actually been taught, I've talked about this on the show. Me and Mike famously talked about how like we were mad. Anytime you meet somebody who says that, well, we knew that wasn't going to work at the time. It's like, well, then why were you so uh, adamant that we had to do it? Why were you so adamant that I had to wear a cloth mask everywhere? And that's another thing. You couldn't wear a neck geeter, but you could wear a cloth mask. That Neither of them did anything. Uh, we just know that Republicans happen to have hunting geeters, and it was talked about on Joe Rogan. And so they were like, no, you can't wear that. That's a bad one. And a lot of guys were just wearing that. 
Uh, I knew guys who were wearing that outside and not getting in trouble. Uh, I was wearing them everywhere because you had to wear a mask in places, and you, I would just pull that thing up. But then you couldn't wear them on planes. You, know, you wear a certain type of mask, but you wear a cloth mask. I saw a guy with a mesh metal mask on a plane. Like when the lights came on, you could tell it was clear, but when the lights were off in the plane, and it was just like, what? That was that's just an asshole. Just at that point, just wear the cloth mask. Just wear a thin cloth mask. It's not a big deal. Whatever. Um, but they, people want to do an. I'm not doing an amnesty. So you're going to do an amnesty. So all the people who advocated for businesses to close, what are they going to do? Then they're not responsible for the money that people lost. They're not responsible. It's because now everybody who wanted to, all the lockdown because we all know what it was. And I, I've said this a million times. 90% of the people advocating for continuing the lockdown, maybe not 90%, but mo- about half, probably more, were doing it, were continuing to advocate the lockdowns because their lives, they realized after a few months that their lives were arguably better. They were not scared of COVID. They didn't have to commute on the subway. Um, they didn't have to go to social obligations. If you had space and you had and you were in a relationship, and you had a girlfriend or whatever, you have you have a spouse, and all of a sudden you don't have to commute, you're working remotely, something you probably always wanted, shockingly. And you have money to go to like, you have money to go like rent a house or go camping or go do outdoorsy shit. Your life is arguably better. There's nothing worse than commuting, all right? You just didn't want to commute, you fucking assholes. I fu- like... Look, I'm the only okay. I'm gonna throw this out there. The only reason I'm okay with the idea of a COVID amnesty, even a little, is because I'm just so sick of the people who are still mad about it, and it's their whole personality. Like when somebody starts talking to me again about COVID, they're like, and then you know, yeah, I know. We all know that they were wrong. We know there's yeah they so yeah we knew they were wrong at the time yeah I know I get it I get it bud and then these people would just go yeah but then, I was like like I don't know what do you want to do you want to kill all of them should we murder them all I mean we could we probably could um, and there's never gonna be a COVID amnesty it's just like people going it's just gonna be the same people who acted better than everybody else for doing all the COVID stuff was like, well, I'm not mad at you for like going outside anymore. It's like, you never should have been. Never should have been mad at me for going outside, you fucking assholes. Oh, I'm sorry. This might not be the funniest episode. I'm sitting in the green room of the creek by myself drinking a fucking beer. I got nothing to bounce off. And I've been going hard all week, but I wanted to get an episode out. I wanted to be able to talk to people. And But this COVID amnesty, dude, just, can you imagine like people... I can't imagine the first time somebody tells me, come on, man, like we should all like get over that. And it's like somebody that like advocated for me to lose wealth. And I'm just going to be like, no, fuck, no. You give me money. That's how you get amnesty. Like a COVID amnesty. For who? Politicians? I don't certainly don't think politicians should have an amnesty. Yeah, that's you know, let's give a COVID amnesty. So all those broad, you know, basically Cuomo was just stressed out. He was fingering chicks' butts because he was fucking stressed out because he had to deal with all that COVID. All those old people he killed, not his fault. Sure, he did it on purpose. 
All those people who yelled at me for not wearing a mask while I was drinking a coffee outside on my own stoop? Yeah. Great. Those same people who yelled at me for wearing a mask in the beginning? Because I wore a mask in the beginning. Because I'm an idiot. Well, I wore a mask in places. I put on a mask every time I went in the grocery store. Probably wasn't doing much. Uh, I did have some N95s early. I was putting those on. We all got tested. I mean, whatever. I got tested constantly. Turns out a lot of those tests weren't real. It's like, it's like, it's also like, weren't you supposed to always believe, even in that article, they kind of say, it was like, well, you know, you're doomed to repeat it if you forget history, but you don't want to create a feedback loop. That's that's their uh, final point. It's like, well, we also still should do this. It's like, no, you're doomed to repeat this if we don't shame all of you. Like, the reason why there hasn't been another Holocaust and everybody's so worried about the constant threat of fascism is because Jews keep bringing up... They just go... Uh, I, I mean, I've told the story where my neighbor was like, you know, I was in the Holocaust when my dad got diagnosed with brain cancer. Tried to be like, eh, it could be worse. You could be in the Holocaust. You know what I mean? Like, And you could. You could be in the Holocaust. You could be in the Holocaust. Uh, but however, uh, we now know that those people were all going to give up the Jews. They were all going to give up the Jews when the Nazis rolled through because they were supposed to. They were told they had to. Like, you, people were just doing what they were supposed to fucking do. Like, to me, all of that shit was crazy. COVID amnesty. Fuck out of here. <laughs> I Like I said, though, there's nothing also worse than those people whose entire personality is still being mad about COVID. It's like, dude, I mean, we've, got, we've still got 9-11 to talk about. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, uh, uh, Umer on the, on the High Society Radio Discord sent me an article a few weeks ago I never got to. Uh, the alliance uh, between the Saudis and the United States government is breaking down. And it is. It is because of uh, a lot of it w- with OPEC is uh, they're setting high gas prices and the Democrats really, really need gas prices to get lower and lower because uh, of these midterms that are actually the day after I record this. The day this comes out, go out and vote, guys. I can't because I am uh, in Texas and not registered to vote here. And I should have voted uh, in New York, but uh, I said this. I said this to somebody. It's like it's like it's such a weird thing. Speak because like, obviously we're talking about the Saudis. It's like we're obviously going to need them to do another nine eleven at some point. But because of nine eleven, I can never vote for a Republican. But I would like if the Republican candidate for governor in New York wins, I'm in a much better place. And I can't bring myself to do it because I'm pretty sure Bush did nine eleven with the Saudis, and he's going to need. We're going to need another nine eleven at some point. That's the thing. It's like they're cutting off this alliance with Aramco. It's like, how? Where are we going to get our nine elevens? You guys are thinking about oil. You're not thinking about plastics, and you're certainly not thinking about nine elevens. The Saudis export a lot of nine eleven. What if we need a couple of journalists murdered? They can get Snowden for us. Who knows? They can get Glenn Greenwald down, and anybody can get got. You know what I'm saying? We're going to need another nine eleven. We're running out of nine elevens. We only had the one, and it's almost over. Nobody even cares anymore. You can make as many 9-11 jokes as you want. No one gives a shit. So we might need a new 9-11. COVID, they tried to make COVID a 9-11. It certainly was not a 9-11. They tried to make January 6th a 9-11. It was barely a 9-11. Was it a 1-6? That's nowhere near 9-11. 9-11 is more than 1-6. We all know that. 
Also, the Middle East scarier than the Midwest. You know, Arab guys with guns. Look, I always bring up that guy. Uh, I think it was his name, Zarquai in Iraq, who they tried to fucking catch that guy three times. At one time, he jumped from one eighteen wheeler to another. Motherfucker has Batman powers and shit. We're worried about some fucking hillbillies with neck gaiters on. It's fucking crazy. We need a nine. We we're gonna we we're out of nine elevens. All right. We need to keep our fucking shit with the with the Saudis going. COVID amnesty, fucking bullshit. Just not a fun fun thing. It's it's a crazy thing to think about. The COVID amnesty thing. I know I keep coming back to it. But, like, I'm so fucking torn on it because I don't want to think about it anymore. Now, here's another crazy thing about it is that I saw that article pop up 500 times in my social media timelines because I'm friends with essentially a bunch of libertarian pundits and comedians and comedian libertarian pundits, right? Uh, I'm friends with other people, but, like, I had to reach out to, like, my liberal friend. That's not going around in those circles. Like, people may have seen that, but they glazed over it. Nobody wants to read that. That article came out to rage bait the right. You know what I mean? Like, or like, I mean, whatever. There's people, I, I talked to Rebecca Trent uh, after this. Rebecca's a uh, wholehearted liberal. And it's not, and it's like, I'm sure she doesn't want a COVID amnesty. She lost her fucking business that she ran for 12 fucking years. <sighs> COVID amnesty. I'm more, I, I would be more okay with a 9-11 amnesty than a COVID amnesty, in all honesty. Like I said, Saudi Arabia has some good wrestling shows. Remember when they built that giant undertaker? It was crazy. All right. I'm going to stop ranting about 9-11 and COVID. And it's... it's <sighs> All I want to do is get verified on Twitter for $8. That son of a bitch, Nick DeLeon, never got me verified on Twitter. He's verified on Twitter. I need a manager or an agent. Ryan Long was telling me. I opened for Ryan out here. It was very fun. Uh, but he was telling me he got verified on Twitter and Instagram just because he has an agent. And I don't have either of those things. Uh, but I feel like if I got verified on Twitter, it would, be a, it would be huge for me. It would change everything. I would lord it over all of the guys that went to college when I didn't. There's a friend, one of Stanley's buddies from college. Uh, I argued with him about Duck Dynasty years ago. And he goes, look, man, I'm a journalist. I cover this sort of thing. I understand. And then they gave those Duck Dynasty guys back their show. And he felt like a fucking idiot. Um, so he, yeah. but And he's not verified. I need to get verified. I need that verification check mark, baby. I'll pay the $8 a month. I think I think it cheapens it, but it's still fine. It's like getting American Wagyu beef. Sure, it's not Wagyu beef. It's not real Wagyu beef. Of course it isn't. But it's beef, and it's Wagyu. It's fine. You're going to eat it. You're going to be happy with it. You're going to sit, and you're, and you're going to be like, yeah, I ate Wagyu beef today. And that's all you got to tell people. Just get that blue check mark. I'll pay the $8 a month. I will absolutely pay the $8 a month. I'll pay $8 a month. I'll get Jinx verified, the fucking conspiracy theory video guy. So he stops getting thrown off for all the conspiracy theory videos, which he shouldn't be getting thrown off for. Uh, 
It's a weird thing. You can't beef with people on the internet nowadays. You will just get mass flagged. A false mass flag. That's what we're calling it. A false mass flag. That's the title of this episode. False mass flag. Um, All right. This is a weird thing that I've been meaning to talk about on this show for a while. And I figure one of these solo episodes is a fine way to talk about it. Um, So we've talked, me and Mike have talked about the slippery slope with like trans kids and stuff on the show. And I'm not super... I'm not like against it, but I am against like some of the transitioning and hormone blocker stuff, some of the surgeries, some of that for like minors. But I, it's a we- it's a weird thing because I want to be pro all this stuff. I really at, at the base level, but it's hard to do that. What I was gaslit by my mother for the first twelve years of my life. Like I still find out shit that just like I'm like, oh yeah, I just believed my mom. Like, my mom told me the reason why she stopped. I had to go to Little League. This is a dumb... I had to go be in Little League. And I remember telling my mom, I don't want to wear these pants. They're mad gay. And the only reason I was in Little League is because my aunt wouldn't talk to her. So she put me on the same team as my cousin. And then my aunt just moved my cousin. But my mom was also an asshole. So she wouldn't take me to the games, just the practices. Because she was like, I'm not giving up my Saturday night. Her Saturday night consisted of just deading a bottle of vodka on the couch. It just fucking half, being half asleep. I just drink. Like it's uh, that was her set. She's like she was go. She put a party. She's like I'm not giving up my Saturday night to go to a little league game. What are you an asshole? Like, I meant to say that to a kid. I was like, why are you making me do this? I remember I wanted to do there was a stand up comedy class at Pip's Comedy Club in Sheepshead Bay. And I wanted to do that near my dad's restaurant. And she was just like, no, I'm gonna pay two hundred dollars for you to take a class. I'm sure she paid more than two hundred dollars for me to do little league. You know what I mean? But I guess little league is a little more involved. But like, the dude, baseball pants, stirrups. <laughs> if you like, the fact that any kid could put on a baseball uniform, and then also like, you got to be like touched by like a strange man to be shown like the form. I hated it. Like any, uh, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a biggest sportsman. You know what I mean? I lift. I get, I, I'll deadlift, whatever. But fucking. Anything where you got to learn a particular form. That's why I was always, I was really more to like pick up basketball and like handball because nobody's like you have to like learn I guess shooting form. But like go to a little league practice and watch a bunch of random men essentially hug boys from behind and tell me it doesn't look like you're just watching altar boy practice. You know what I mean? Like just like just like he's like here's how you do it. It's they like I it like you know when you like later in life show a girl how to shoot pool and you get behind him and show how to do it. Like everybody's done that. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, I was like, oh man, these fucking creepy ass fucking <laughs> literally go just do that to every fucking kid. They just go, no, like that. And they hug you. That's like, you're, like I hate, fucking Little League is the grossest fucking thing. It's way worse than the Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts, at least they give you a knife to defend yourself. Start fucking swinging it at some of these Little League coaches on your next day. You know what I mean? But uh, my mom said all sorts of crazy... I found out... So I found out the only reason why she wasn't talking to my aunt in the first place was that they tried to have an intervention for her and she flipped out and called the cops on them. So my aunt stopped talking to her because she was a fucking drunk with two kids who was fucking getting blacked out every fucking day. And my mom told me, he's like, oh, what happened was when we were all away... For a weekend, they had like an adults weekend for their bowling league where they would get drunk. 
uh, I like broke into her room and they were like him, her and your uncle were naked and I shot them with a water gun and they were mad that I saw them naked. It was like, what a bad lie my mom told me. But I believed that for a decade. Your mom can fucking gaslight you. You know what I mean? It's like because of that. That's why I like get weird about some of these like trans kids. It's like it's like my mom wanted a girl so bad. She was like. Like, I had, like, My Little Ponies that I would play with because they were just toys and they're horses. You know what I mean? Like, they were still fighting each other. They were just horses. But my mom bought them and was like, she wanted a girl. For, like, four years of my life, she just tried to, like, kind of vaguely treat me like a girl. Like, trans didn't exist. Although I do remember once. I said, it was like, what if I was gay? She stopped short. She's like, you'll never be gay. But that might have been more of an age thing. That might have been more of her being scared of AIDS. And also, being gay was less acceptable back then. I think if this trans thing was around when I was born and I was my mom's first kid and she was still just as fucked up, there's a good chance she could have she could have convinced me to cut my cock off. I wasn't using it for anything back then. You know what I mean? No, you know what? <sighs> Once she told me I wouldn't have been able to... Because my cousin... Actually, that's how she... She never could have gotten me to do it. I'll tell you why. Because my cousin Lisa... I always had to hold it, right? And I could just pee places because I had a pee-pee. I remember being like, being a girl stupid. You know, a pee-pee? That's a fucking good tool. Then, though, I'll tell you this, maybe later on. First time I got kicked in the balls, <sighs> you might have been able to convince me. There's a trade-off here. You, you, you flip this inside out, put these things inside, protect them a little? You know, you ever get hit in the fucking nuts? Yeah, let's protect these a little. She said this is probably how she could have pitched it to me. She's like, don't worry. We're just going to flip them inside out. They'll protect your balls. I'm like, I, never, cause I, had a co- I had a younger cousin who we would pick on, but he was a ball kicker. He was a big ball kicker, but he was low to the ground, so you really couldn't get to his balls. And he, was a ba- he was a ball puncher and ball kicker, my cousin Gary. You might have been able to gaslight me into doing it like just to protect the balls. You know what I mean? Protect the old jewels. But I always think, I do always kind of fucking, I weirdly... Think about that a lot, right? I think about, like, I'm joking, but, like, I, I do think about, like, I could have got there. You know what I mean? And, like, once you're fucked up, you're fucked up. And, like, if if somebody like that could have just had, like, also, it's like, you convince a kid they're trans, and then the dad's like, that kid's not trans. And they could be like, yeah, you're not allowed near your kid. You're abusive. So it's like, I would have been like, oh, that's pretty sweet. I can fucking get rid of the old man, too. Fucking fantastic. You know what I mean? Two birds with one fucking stone? Would have been fucking... It's a fucking weird... And I always think of all these things framed through the perspective of somebody like who had to deal with that, right? It's like... I always think about like the Woody Allen... People... Like, and it, it's funny how like... You know, women will clam up when I bring up the Woody Allen thing. When I talk about like um, Mia Farrow's daughter, that interview, I was like... I don't know. It reads like some, if somebody's been gaslit by their mother. It reads like somebody's been gaslit by their mother. And then watching these women know they can't challenge me. Because I just, you know, <laughs> being uh, mentally abused by your primary caretaker trumps simply being a woman in a weird way. Not in a weird way, in a true way. And I, I don't know. I think about it a lot. It was just something I was like, all right, this is something I don't want to like talk to Mike about. So I'll throw it on one of these solo episodes. And I've had it in the back pocket. And uh, uh, yeah, you guys might think it's weird. I'm sorry. But I'll move. I'll, you know what? I'll I'll move on. This is getting 
This is oh, I, I talked about the verification thing. I need an eight dollar verification. I'm loving the eight dollar verification memes that Elon Musk is putting out. I'm loving how mad he's getting. The new thing today is that people are mad at him for uh, uh, tweeting out a Nazi photo, but it wasn't like a pro Nazi photo. It was just a photo of a Nazi soldier with homing pigeons with uh, the number three notification on it, and then it said, uh, "My how things have changed." He's like. Probably just needed somebody holding homing pigeons in a container. Like, that was the first thing in Google. Like, I looked at it, and I couldn't tell it was a Nazi soldier. I, I saw that it was like the old school Doughboy helmet or whatever. But I couldn't even, like, see it. Very odd. Whatever. I'm trying to get this verification check, Elon. Get, holler at your boy. $8? No problem. So, like, also, all these people who are bitching about that have $8. Let's go. Cough up your $8. Whatever. We got some Ask the Goons. Let's get into some Ask the Goons. I got a bunch of Ask the Goons in here. They're actually kind of interesting ones. Um, I meant to get to them the other day. There was that one with the, uh, well, I cut off my legs. Okay, here's a, here's a top one. This is a, uh, <clears throat> okay. This is from Matt. Hey, Chris, if you were going to find some washed-up trim to smash on Facebook, possibly after her kids went to bed, would you find this terrible Springsteen song more relatable? He's talking about the song Glory Days. No, I would not. You know why? Because I've done that. I have had sex with a woman after her kids were asleep, and I still hate Glory Days because it's stupid. You know why? Because it's pretending to be a happy song when it's a sad song. When you do something like that, you should feel bad. Doesn't mean you should stop doing it because it still feels good to come. Make sure you come. You you fellas go out there and you fucking do that. You fucking smash that out. You smash that old cruise in like a trailer somewhere. I, it, it's just it to me. It's a song about heating up beans like still in the can on a low flame. That's what Glory Days is about. It's fucking terrible. Go also go do another thing. Get some old coos. Go 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 get on Facebook. Get you some old coos. Then you do you know what you do after you get some old coos and you bust a nut. Go to a strip club and they get some young coos and tell me which is better, or what you would rather like. You go into a strip club, you're getting blown. Drake's playing. You're like fuck Glory Days. Glory Days sucks, right? And here's the thing: if you get blown while listening to this Drake song after fucking the old coos in the trailer, and you know you, you got you go, you realize that you started from the bottom. Now you're here. Boom. So fuck Glory Days. I'm staking with it. I hate Glory Days. Running out of 9-11s. Let's see. What's next? Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Got a lot of stuff here. Here's one from Coke Lager. I've been talking with this woman for about a month. I can tell she's not disinterested. Yes, double negative meaning, potentially interested. Uh, because we continue to talk and she has followed me on additional social media as we go along. If I was a bother, she wouldn't continue to invest further into knowing me. The problem is, since she's shy... I am the one to initiate every conversation. It's even probable the communication would cease if I stopped. Is there anything I can do to make her start the conversation other than keep waiting until she's more comfortable? Well, obviously, I'm going to throw this out there. 
I don't know this girl. If you know she's an awkward chick and that's definitely what the cause of this problem is, then you're fine, right? I had a chick who I would hook up with every once in a while back in the day, right? And typically if she, I was, had to all of a sudden start initiating conversations, it meant her boyfriend was in town and she was not going to talk to me. Or her ex-boyfriend, who I think is her husband now. Who the fuck cares? Um, but, like, she, she had this ex. And then she would run into me a place and then we'd be talking a while. She'd be into it. And then, like, all of a sudden these things would start again. But... What's wrong with initiating the conversation? I understand that it's nice to have a girl initiate the conversation. Um, but do you really, really, like... Uh-oh, I think somebody's coming here. You don't need it. All I'm saying is you don't need it. You don't need... Just just initiate the conversation. You just... You realize you gotta, you gotta do that. You're the man. Just do... You gotta do it. One way you can do it is you can leave an open-ended thing... I mean, think about it. The person who I'm talking about, I mean, you do you do graphic design. Do a graphic design project for her. Get her really excited about it. She's going to want the project, so she'll reach out to you. And now once she's in the habit of it, she'll keep doing it. I think that's perfect. Do Offer to do some work for her for free that would normally cost a lot of money. And then, boom, you're good to go. Let's see what else we got here. I got another one. Hold on. Oh, this is the... Okay. Would you rather go down on a slide that's built like a cheese grater or let McNasty save your nuts and asshole while he blindfolded and drunk? I don't know who McNasty is. Oh, a slide that's built like a cheese grater or let McNasty save your nuts and asshole while he's blindfolded and drunk. This is from somebody who didn't send a name but sent me four questions at once. Rather go down a slide. I do not want to go down a slide that's built like a cheese grater. Save your nuts and asshole while he's blindfolded and drunk. I'm going to go with that one. Um, let's see here. There's one more bonus question. And then we're going to get the fuck out of here. Um, okay. You are forced to peg the do into submission. Which weapon are you choosing? Okay, so I'm I'm pegging a person. Slug blasted out of a Beretta, a hung liberal. Now, when you say a hung liberal, I don't know if we've lynched a liberal, which I don't know if I'm pro or against. I mean, if they're white, I suppose you can lynch a white person. Um, Matt, M-A-T-T, which seems like it... Oh, Pinecone, Glizzy Glock. Oh, well, we can't use a gun. Drilldo, Drilldo is on here. I'm going with Drilldo. I've always thought Drilldo. I was, you know, I I've never asked a girl if they thought a Drilldo would be fun. I, I I should ask a girl if they thought that that would feel good, because I'm curious. Because it seems like if you could do the opposite, right? Like if you could just spin a chick on you as fast as a drill goes. Like a vagina on you I feel like that would milk the shit out of you You'd be fucked um, So if I gotta peg the dew I think maybe I'd go drill dough However that might be kinda gay Pinecone that's very painful Ever expand Shit ever expanding balloon I think I gotta go ever expand It says a slug out of a bread that would just murder a person 
ever expanding balloon. I think I have to go ever expanding balloon because it goes from wolf cock to hot air balloon and then you just burst a person in half. That's something you want to see. You're never going to get to see that again. What actually splits a person right down the middle from their asshole? Ever expanding balloon is the way to go with this. I think that's how that will work. All right. There you go. All right, well, let's do a quick read. You know, because I'm down in Texas, all the hillbillies have been chased up there, so we don't even have to worry about that. But you know what we do have to worry about? Keeping our good friends at YoKratom.com happy. I love YoKratom.com, and you should love YoKratom.com too. They're the number one supporter of this form of comedy. And not only that, you don't have to get your Kratom at a gas station anymore. If you like Kratom and you're over the age of 21, make sure you go to YoKratom.com and use the pro- You don't even need a promo code. What am I thinking? It's just the home of the $60 kilo. The home of the $60 kilo. What else can you get for $60 nowadays other than a fine kilo of YoKratom.com? So go over to YoKratom.com, the home of the $60 kilo, and let's get into this interview with Rebecca Trent. YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. Good night, folks. All right, well, here's a quick interview. Uh, obviously, I don't like to talk to comedians on Notes of a Goon, but I am talking to Rebecca Trent, who has moved the creek in the cave down here. I'm having a great time all weekend. Uh, I have probably gotten uh, a little too drunk in here a few nights in a row. It happens. Yeah, I actually came in here yesterday, and it was like, you know when you get that anxiety when you have left a place very drunk the night before? And you walk <laughs> into the place, and you go, all right, I hope I don't immediately walk in, and somebody goes, get the Exactly. Who do I I need to apologize today? Yeah, that's how I felt when I walked in here last night, and everybody was like, "Hey!" And I was like, "All right, thank God." Yeah, (laughs) I was mostly good, but I wanted to talk to you because this is the most. uh, I've never. Anytime I try to get spots out of New York City, like if I'm doing something on the road with like Rob Bernstein or something, no one is nice, and everybody in this scene seems to be relatively welcoming and nice. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I feel like the scenes need to be nice. I don't understand what uh, folding your arms and turning your back on artists does for a club, so that seems kind of weird, but... It's crazy, but it is a crazy... Not even clubs, it's like, I'll hit up, like, just bar shows in places, and they'll be like, not, like... I hit up a, I hit up a guy in the South when me and Rob were doing a run, and he go and he's from New York, and he has a room in the South, and, like, I know it's, like, a good room, but it's, like, not a good pay or anything. I, just give me, I was like, hey, we're gonna be an hour away, and we need something to do on the way to the next stop. Yeah. Can you, uh... uh just give us Throw some us guest spots. Yeah. And he was just like, we booked this eight months in advance. And I was just like, yeah, but like, I feel like you move stuff around. When people- First of all, yeah. And then secondly, what's the point of booking shit eight months in advance? Half the people are going to cancel on you. And the other, and, and then you're people missing opportunities. People are going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and you're missing opportunities for, for, for drop-ins, for yeah, amazing, for fun, yeah. you know, fun shows and like fun people. Like there's no reason to say no to that stuff. But here's, Okay, so here's one thing I want to ask you about. You moved here from New York. And actually, this is something I want to talk to you about because we never talked about it. Um, but, like, you were one of the few people who was very vocal in New York about how shitty what COVID was doing to businesses were that yeah. I'm friends with. Yeah. A lot of people just, like, glazed over that. And, like, you – and it's not like – you're not, like, a conservative. You know no. what I mean? No, I'm not. And it's just like, but people didn't quite under, and like, so this is something I want to ask you because I know you know about it, and especially like the way you ran the creek over there. I got into arguments with people when they're like, oh, businesses aren't important. I'm like, a business is more than a, I've always felt this way, somebody who grew up in a family business. A business is more than a place you make money because usually you don't make money. True. And a business is a community and a family mm-hmm. typically. Like, the amount of people that came in and out of my dad's restaurant, I always say this, I've had him on the show, my buddy Cesar Vargas, 
was the first immigrant to be granted a law license in the state of New York. Oh, wow. And his first job ever in the United States was a busboy at my dad's restaurant. And, yeah. like, you know, he's a good dude. And it's yeah. just, like, that's an important thing. And his brother left to go do something else, got fired, came back, and said, can I have my job back? And we were like, yeah, we got a ship. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, that's what a business is. Yeah, that's to exactly me, right. To me, and, like, you were very vocal about that. And, like, that's not something that's really happening down here, that you're never going to see that down here, right? I mean, I think that the businesses down here were were desperately impacted by by COVID. You know, we lost a we lost a lot. The the Austin community lost a lot of places. The fellows that owned this place before us mm-hmm. couldn't couldn't hold over, and so like they they basically cut sh- you know cut bait, and then they went and opened up a, another spot like a little while later. But there was like a there was like a year and a half dip where they were in renovations and not not making any revenue, and none of their employees, all their employees, scattered, and they had to regather all of them. And you know, it's not it's not an easy feat. Um, you know what was happening in New York was so detrimental, and and it, and it it used to piss me off too when people would say that that small businesses don't matter because. I was on the community board in New York City as well for long for Long Island City. I was a Long Island oh, City, Long so yeah, I was City. community board too. So I and I had I served on that community board for almost eight years, I think. Um, and uh, it was really important to us to make sure that we didn't have a ton of corporate businesses coming into the neighborhood. It was really important to us to make sure like the restaurants were mom and pops and not like Ruth's okay. Chris or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, for the most part, we did a pretty good job of, of protecting our neighborhood. But then as soon as the pandemic hit, all bets were off. Food trucks started showing up. Restaurants were going belly up. We lost. There were three culturals inside of Long Island City. It was called the, uh, the Chocolate Factory, which is a premier performance art space. The Creek in the Cave, which was um, comedy. <coughs> Excuse me. My voice still isn't back from Skankfest. Um, from comedy. And then... <clears throat> The secret group, which did theaters, um, which did plays, and we lost all three of them oh, wow. uh, within about nine months. And, those are the, like, those are, and then there's like, <coughs> they do like a little bit of music at like PS1, right? But it's more like um, party. Yeah, so they'll do, they'll do like the, um, the DJ days <coughs> on okay. Saturdays. That's the main thing that they did um, back then. They didn't really put on plays or put on like show shows. It would just be like DJ dance parties and stuff, stuff. which was cool, you know. And and there's a there's an art installation space called Culture Lab that's trying to do stuff. And Mm -hmm. there's one room that's doing some comedy in Long Island City, but but there was some stuff going on. There was some stuff going on in there. So like whatever, I worked. People that listen to this know that I worked down there for eight years or something. You were at Dutch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was there and. I think that neighborhood really started to change when, and I was kind of weird. I'm in a weird position where, like, with Five Points, I like, I understood why people were mad it was going away, but at the same time, it's like, the guy who owned that building who wanted to sell it to me, I was just kind of like, he kind of let you guys rock for 25 years. That building was a husk of what it should have been. I mean, literally, before they tore it, right before they Mm -hmm. tore it down, there was a woman, she was a jewelry designer, who was like up on the top on the fire escape. I think she went to go smoke a cigarette or something. Oh, and it fell. And the fire escape, the entire structure, all the entire metal ladder system fell off of the building. And that was when the community board went, Okay, we get like you guys aren't doing anything to fix this. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. single code violation has been violated. Like there's just there's no. I was inside that building like before I got torn down. It like, was like walking crumbling. Around. Yeah, yeah, it was falling. Well, that guy and just sat on it from the seventies, right? From the seventies, yeah, and, and he never no... put a penny into it, and just figured slapping graffiti art on the outside would make it hold up, hold together good somehow. Yeah. 
And then it was like a land, and then it was like they were trying to get it to be landmark, but then at the same time, it couldn't be because it was just a, it, was it, was a, it was yeah exactly. There mm. was there was in order for that to have become a historic landmark, he would have had to put over a million dollars into the damn thing. And yeah, you can't. The f- cement was crumbling. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It literally was turning into dust. It honestly, I remember ten being more in years, there. it would have taken itself down. I was in there was, so there was these art installations in the projects in uh, New Orleans. That yeah, full body. And the inside of that building looked like the Katrina washed out project building. That's exactly right. But like when that came down, it did kind of change the tone of the neighborhood. Like that neighborhood drastically got like very crazy, like built up and built up. But you guys were there and then you moved. I want to talk more about like down here, but you moved down here. Mm-hmm. And now this is like I was talking to one of, the, one of the comics here yesterday and he was like before this place was here, there were maybe eight shows a month and they were literally like Cap City, which is the one club here. That's right. Was not letting comics even buy tickets to shows. Correct. Which is, what are you doing? Like, there's like 10 open mics, 8 shows, yep. and then Rogan comes down here. Well, you were here first, right? You came down here, or did... I don't no, know. Rogan was here first. I came down um, in oh, March. I was here March 1st. So they were doing they were doing shows at... Yeah, he was doing Stubbs, and back then, Kill Tony was over at Anton's. Okay. So that was like the first iteration of what I walked into was like, sometimes Chappelle would show up. Mm-hmm. And they would do stuff over at Stubbs, mm-hmm. which is like right across the street from us. And then um, and then two blocks away, Vulcan Gas Company was doing like random shows. Like I think like Giannis came through that year. Okay. You know what I mean? Like so they were doing they were doing but it wasn't set because they were still doing EDM at the time. Because mm-hmm. they're really a music sp- spot. Okay. Now they switched over to full comedy. Um, Anton's isn't really doing any of the comedy stuff anymore. Um, just with Moon Tower. They're one of the venues yeah. for Moon Tower. Um, and we've got Sunsets getting ready to open. We've got Rogan over at the Ritz, which is a block away from Vulcan. We've got Vulcan. We've got me. We've got Cap City. And there's rumored to be about three other rooms about to start. Plus, East Austin Comedy Club just opened. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a, me, a, that's run a by comics. Space, right? 40-seater. Okay. Gorgeous little room, though. Like, okay. really great room. Um, I'm actually going to be recording. Um, well, I'm not. Uh, Justin's going to be recording. Um... Aaron Cheatham there next week so they're gonna do that's gonna be their first foray into trying to figure out if they can do like albums and specials and stuff but I think it's a good room for it, it it's good it, well because I don't think I mean your room probably is not the best right like Shane did his but that was like a bigger production situation Shane did his we recorded an album for um, Big J Okerson that's gonna be released this spring okay. I fucking swear to God and then um, and then we also have um, uh John Polar Bear Gonzalez is coming in this weekend okay. to record his special. We've gotten a, a handful of pretty good tapes. Yeah. yeah. And the sound is great for it? Um, the sound is good for it, provided I don't have something crazy happening at Empire. Yeah, because that's so, what happened with Shane's special that's in there. Where you you can hear like a throb to it, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, honestly... I would have I would have loved to have taken a pass at that with a sound engineer I've worked with in the past. You know what I mean? Oh, just really? to pull it out, but um, I don't know what their challenges were with that. So I mean, they may have just been trying to do a quick release or whatever. But gotcha. yeah, I was um, I I was really really touched that Shane wanted to do wanted to tape his special here. Like he was the first person to put the bear on the stage. You know what I mean? Oh really? Yeah. That's so it was cool. like it was pretty cool. I mean, it was there, but it was like it was cool that like to see it like on. Yeah, yeah, on the great. screen. I yeah. mean, yeah, it was a, it's a great special. And, I mean, obviously, I'm sure it's helped you massively. Oh, it's for sure. For, for anything, I mean, for that, yeah, for sure. But I think it also sort of like shows comics like, okay, this is a room. This is what it looks like. Go get that room. You know? Oh yeah. Because I prefer it when comics hit me up. I don't don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> 
I always like have the weird thing where I don't like to bother people who run a room. I we, we were talking about this the other night, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be one of those guys. Like, there's uh, Joe Harari at the stand. He was like, "How come you've never asked me to do anything here?" I was like, "Cause we're friends, and I don't want to. I don't want you to feel like the only reason I've been friends with you for the last three years is because so I you're want capitalizing. Yeah, because I want something yeah. from you." Uh, which is probably bad on my part. That I yeah, that. I mean, there's a balance there, but yeah. I mean, you're pretty good at networking. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, the the theme of this show is that uh, I owe everything in my life to being fun to drink with. Uh, <laughs> I brought myself out of generational poverty. Through that. <laughs> um, that's amazing. But with everything, with everything that's going on here, this is a weird thing. So you said five five rooms are opening or whatever. You said three rooms are rumored to be opening. Yeah. Two that you know of. Rogan's supposed to be opening a club at some point. Yeah. And is the city's growing by one million people. How That's many, correct. How many people can you get to come into comedy clubs? I mean, you'd have to close down all the movie theaters so people would right? need something to do. I think, you know, like getting and, and fuck that. Close down all the music venues. <laughs> They're killing me right now. There's two, um, there's two piano bars I mean, three blocks away. Exactly. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. There's just there's so much going on. Um, you know, the growing population's great. Uh, the kind of people that are that are moving in are like fun. They're looking for entertainment. They're having a good time. I also found that opening up because we, I actually, the creek opened on April first of twenty twenty one, and is that right? Yeah, and we uh, we literally, um, I think it was like the day after they said no more masks. Like it was when the when the whole thing when they were like we're done we're done with COVID the city's open fuck all y'all. So. Um, it was that first month, it was just like, it was like mole people just clawing their way out of their homes, starving for entertainment. Mm -hmm. So it was like such a fun vibe. It was so cool to like see people like finally coming out and feeling comfortable again and like celebrating. But it wasn't like, it wasn't like New York, right? Where like we were just all kind of doing like a lot of, I remember we were in Well, some of us did quarantine different than others. So like my New York experience during quarantine Uh was fucking baller. I had a great time. I lost my business. I had a lot of heartbreak yeah. during it too, but there was something kind of magical about like running all the red lights and just driving through and there's no cars anywhere and yeah. just walking through. It was like vanilla sky walking through fucking Times Square. It oh, was incredible. I was, this is a surreal moment. Uh, when they, the, there was two nights that there was curfew in New York City. Yeah. During uh, uh, the protests. The protests. I was in town. Uh, for I was going back and forth. My girlfriend's family was upstate. She was dealing with some stuff, and uh, I was just I, I left her up there, and I was coming back to work. Yeah. For other stuff, and I was going back and forth, and they had bad internet, so I'm coming back recording a bunch of podcasts, going. Back. It was, I was doing all that stuff, and like, I they lowered the curfew from eleven to eight, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in my house. And it was my birthday. Oh I'm my god. Sitting in my house. Waiting for Chinese food because you can't get good Chinese food in upstate New York. No, you can't. And I'm sitting in my house going, why is my Chinese food late today? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I... I know there's no traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got into a rental car at 7.40 and I was in Flatbush and I was on the George Washington Bridge at 8.05. That's insane. I was doing 110 alone on the FDR that's amazing with the sun shining because like, it's the summer 
Like that's <laughs> like like there were some really beautiful only in New York experiences yeah. that happened during quarantine. Like it was a lot of heartbreak. It was a lot of really like bad things. But I mean, and I also was considered an essential worker, so I was always allowed out. I was always making deliveries. Yeah, I was, yeah. you know what I mean? Because like at that point, Jamie Cook and I were the only two people doing anything at the creek. We were the only two employees. Oh, because so, you, you guys were still selling food, right? Right. We were yeah, still yeah, slinging yeah. hat. I mean, as much as we could, but it didn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it was it was rough. It was really miserable. I mean, that's another thing. It's like even with delivery, I mean, like, first of all, that neighborhood I'm sure cleared out. Long Island City is like giant. For people who don't know, it's giant high rises. A lot of people who aren't native New Yorkers. I'm like, so I I had a day. I used to run a show at No Fun Bar on the street around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you ran a show there. Yeah. Uh, But the bartender, one of the bartenders there who worked the night of my show, he's from Lower East Side. So he, he was running the drinks out the window. He goes, hey, Johnny's not get me off unemployment so I get all the tips I'm hanging out here every night so I would go hang out with him after I left Gas Digital and we were sitting on Orchard Street one day and it's 11 o'clock it's curfew everything's closed he has to close the window we're right. handing drinks out of and we're sitting outside on Orchard Street on a bench drinking a beer and I look up and I go none of the lights are on on this block and he goes what do you mean and I go I go they're gone well, bro yeah they're not out no because everything's closed yeah the storefronts are lit but yeah. there's and, nothing upstairs and I was like everybody left they the left. Lower East Side of Manhattan. Yeah, I did a show at that place, Joey Bats, and oh, yeah. it was all uh, it was all Puerto Ricans from the Louis Side, and it's like mm-hmm. it's like if you're if, if you understand New York gentrification, you almost like I got up there and I go, I know this is a Hispanic neighborhood, but where the fuck have you guys been for eight years? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they just laughed and they were like, Well, we got the, the nightclubs are closed. We yeah. got the neighborhood back. Yeah, we got the neighborhood back. Yeah, it was it pretty it was pretty cool. Well, so what happened in Long Island City was when they closed the nightclubs, mm-hmm. everybody went to the waterfront. Okay. And they would just bring out speakers oh, and like people were stuff. selling nutcrackers and shit and there were parties mm. and like literally like some dude got a 27 year old dude got shot and killed over a parking space in LIC. And then the neighborhood was like, we need extra security. So then it was crawling with cops after that. And, and they, but the, but the cops didn't care. Like there was, it was very much like everybody was just sort of standing around, like not doing anything, you know? Okay. So it was like, so it was still kind of like a, it was kind of a little bit of a free for all on the waterfront in Long Island City for a while there. We our very first um, culture lab show we did that those parking lot shows with Michael. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I took him over to the waterfront. And he was like, "Oh, so COVID just isn't happening over here. This is what y'all are doing in this neighborhood." And I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of wild. It was all like everybody because nobody wants to be stuck in their apartments because they're afraid of the air." So they want to go. They want to be outside. Oh, so yeah. everybody's outside. Rockaway was the, like that too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Ozone Park. I mean, it was just like I. It was. It was. There were some part like all the places that had waterfront property were a lot of fun. Yeah. You know. Even the parks, Tompkins Square Park had a brass band going most of the time. That's fucking dope. I mean, that was the thing that that was the thing that was ultimately the death knell for us was when Cuomo came out and said these three things are illegal. You cannot adult entertainment is illegal. Um, this is outdoor. Adult entertainment is illegal. Duh. Uh, karaoke is illegal, and comedy is illegal. And once he said that, um, you know, C- Cambry Cruz did her best. She was on the on the um, the committee that was advising him to not be a dipshit. And um, you know, people were doing their best. Michael Giannaris, who was a state senator, actually really got on board with us and like really tried to help us because he understood. Because it's not for us the stand up comedy stuff like. There's more clubs in New York and more clubs that identify as being more rooms that identify as being comedy clubs in New York than Cuomo was prepared for. 
And so oh, yeah, the, it was a it was a much bigger fallout than he was expecting it to be. And so we were doing press junkets and shit over it in front of Broadway Comedy Club and in front of Stand Up New York and in front of you oh, know yeah, what I mean. I know there's one down in the New York Comedy Club, the Fourth Street room. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like we you know like we tried we tried to get him to just even just explain why comedy is it because you don't want to be made fun of for the next year you know what I mean? Mm. Like calm down. This isn't like I'm taking this personally, yeah, but yeah. there is absolutely no reason for you to say that comedy outside is not legal if it's legal for a person to be walking outside and cough it should be legal for me to tell a joke yeah period and so that for me that was the nail in the coffin i was like this this art form is going to have to dig itself back up into a different respect level because it was literally by an administration told that it was bad and wrong and no good it was just there was a lot of weird decisions made Cuomo's a cunt. The the bottom line is, is he's 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 always been a cunt. He can't take a joke. He can't take he 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 and his brother both. They're, they're both a couple of assholes. They're yeah, they're just a couple of fucking mook lawyers. Yeah, they are a couple of mook lawyers. And you know, I have friends that are mook lawyers that are you could probably take a joke. No offense to the good mook lawyers out there. <laughs> a couple of a couple of decent mook lawyers that listen to this program, I'm sure. But um, yeah, those guys. I so for me, it just like I didn't realize. How much? So I'm born and raised in New York City, and like the business is closed. I didn't realize how much it was affecting me until that New York Magazine article came out. Yeah. And then I just walked around sad for a week. Yeah, because you're looking at all the empty storefronts. Yeah. I mean, shit. You you want pierogies at three in the morning? Too fucking bad. Veselka's not even open 24 oh, hours now. Nothing's and and it's they promised us a bounce back. And I looked at what was happening. I was like, there's no shitting, there's no fucking way there's going to be a bounce back. It's going to take years, and it's going to take years. Well, how do you, this is actually a weird thing that I've heard a couple times. I'm curious your opinion on it, and I've talked to a few people about it. I've talked to a few people. Somehow this got in the heads of a bunch of people where it was like, I don't care that you lost your business because you at one point had money to buy a business. And I go, <laughs> a friend of mine said that to me. I like, had enough money to go into debt to buy a business. Like, fuck. That's a fucking wild idea. Even if you legitimately saved all that money, it's like I have I have a friend who like said that to me, and I go I go, you spent thirty thousand dollars on cocaine in the last five years. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's you know what I mean. Like it's you like, too could have had a business, sir. Yeah, you could have also bought a business. You could have had a food truck that would now right. be out of business. Like it's <laughs> right. like it, I'm just saying it's like to do and like when you look at the numbers of like just the amount of like small immigrant businesses that are gone and it's that's like, the thing is it's decimating generational like generations of people that are getting affected by this this is not just we're gonna have another la caridad a yeah, cuban exactly. chinese restaurant right and we, it's good well it'll take years for us to get another one you know what i mean like that i don't know i think all the chinese people left cuba you're not gonna get another set of yeah, people yeah, yeah from china to that, cuba yeah. during mao yeah that then came here because cuba was shit yeah, you're like, right. We're never going to get that again in New York City. That doesn't right. exist anymore. Like, you're right. I mean, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is it affects a lot more. I mean, like, think think just about, like, Broadway. And they go, oh, Broadway's closed. How does that affect New York? Well, here's how it affects New York. Every lingerie store, every hosiery store, every costuming store, mm -hmm. every fabric store, every MJ trims, the places where they go get the crystals and the buttons for the costumes. Mm -hmm. Every single florists, um, stage builders, stage hands, ushers, riggers, literally decimated. It's it, it, it's well, immeasurable. Union, a lot. That, that was a very funny thing. That do you remember that they turned on the 9/11 lights late? Yeah. Because the stagehands union were like, "You're not letting us work. We're yeah. not doing it." Because I was working with 
that's another thing people don't even realize is like people think of these industries as these like standalone that, standalone like, yeah. liberal thing. I worked on a rigging crew when they let um, when they let movies come back. They yeah. had overhire work, and I was I, I worked on a rigging crew for um, oh that's for awesome. NBC. Yeah, and uh, those guys were all like, "You're gonna have more work because they're not gonna let us work because we're not getting vaccinated." Yep. Like, and it was just like, oh, I mean, okay. I don't want to do that. And they're just like, they're like, we don't give a shit. This we, is how it works. Reunion. Yeah, we're yeah. union. We're gonna go on trial. We said it, no. Yeah, we're not doing it. They're like, all right, and. Like, it, it was just an interesting thing in New York. But here it wasn't closed, it was just the tourism wasn't back yet, right? So that's why... Tourism wasn't back yet. And I would say that probably, like, like the entertainment was at half-mast, if that makes sense. You know okay. what I mean? Like, there, was, there wasn't quite as much. Like, South By didn't, um, you know, was okay. digital that year. The, the festivals didn't come back. Some of them are trickling back now. You know, like, South By's certainly back strong. Moon Tower's back strong. But um, for the most part... You know, some of the smaller festivals that were pretty deeply affected and they lost their budgets for a couple of years. Um, and I've, I've, you know, Float Fest came back this year, but I think it was the first one in three years. Um, so, you know, like it, 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 it affected like the sort of like big stuff. But, you know, the little rooms were still able to run. And, and, and also I did most of the pandemic. Like I said, we opened when the pandemic was officially over in Texas. Okay. So... I was only here for about a month, a month and a half before that mandate was lifted. Okay. Um, and I was just working renovations here, so I wasn't really, I wasn't really going out and like checking out the town or anything. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, well, actually, what I'm gonna talk about, this is what I want to talk about. Like, do you think, like, so I, I, we, I touched on it with you, but like, can, like, what do you think happens to comedy here? Does this become a thing where like we, there almost has to be? almost more entertainment here to draw more tourists to fill the rooms like I don't know how well, something like that works. I don't know how building a scene works I started it in New York City after there was 50 clubs you know right. what I mean right yeah no I know what you mean um you know there's there's a surrounding factor to Austin that's not unlike New York um we have you know Bastrop we have Pflugerville we have Georgetown we have Fredericksburg we have um, San Antonio, yeah, a and all different than they it's here. definitely a different vibe, but it's also a population of people. So while we have a million people in Austin, we also have all of these outlying areas of people that um, don't necessarily have that much of a scene. Like it's just individual rooms or whatever. So a lot of people come in from out of town. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess that's the tourists, but it's not like tourists like in New York. Like when I hear tourists, I think of like those hostel shows where people don't really speak English. Yeah, and like yeah, yeah. here, it's it's mostly just like you know, folks come in from from probably about an hour radius around us, okay. and um, and this is a commuter town, so they're not nervous about being in the car for a minute. You know what I mean? So yeah, taking a trip for forty five minutes isn't a big deal for them. Yes. Yeah, the state is fucking Austin. huge. Well, so Austin's the only place in Texas that's walkable. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, Houston, downtown Houston, a little bit, but I not, not so much. Think. We were there yeah. at the same time, and I did. I know. Was, that was weird. There was like I talked to a few people there, and they were like, "Well, you guys must still be locked." That's what I was trying to talk to you about before. Is like mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think you understand that. Like after they reopened stuff in New York, even after they reclosed it, we were all kind of like, we were done. Ah, we were done. You yeah, we did it. We followed the rules for like whatever that six month period was, and, and then, then once, and then us. it was like you lied to us, so we're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, they started that bullshit with us from day one, saying it was gonna be two weeks which I'm still pissed off about because oh, okay. I knew goddamn good and well it wasn't going to be two fucking we weeks. And they made us shut down on St. Patrick's Day. You couldn't wait one more fucking day so that the bars yeah, could have... That actually makes that, sense. Nope, fuck that. 
We needed one more day of revenue. I understand. That. Everybody needed one more well, day of revenue. Especially because it wasn't going to be two weeks. Well, and also at that time we didn't know about that six hundred dollars a week thing that was coming down the pike. That's true. Yeah, but it, but it's like there's you know there's which I didn't get, but like most of my employees did, thankfully. Yeah, thank God. I mean that it it was it was a funny thing with that that happened. Like with COVID, it was like very funny because I felt terrible, and I donated to a bunch of uh, service industry GoFundmes. Oh really? And then that happened, and then like people i knew got cancer yeah like, i'm out of money yeah i didn't get that exactly right? yeah that, i mean that's the thing well and that was the other thing that was that was happening a lot during um the beginning of covid is that like people were getting sick for other stuff but refusing to go to the hospital so everything was worse so the gofundmes were like pricier you know what i mean uh, yeah. and like the fact that we're crowdsourcing our health care is also an issue i mean that's what that's, that's weird you're here nor there but it's, it's super like, weird well, even without like even if you weren't crowdsourcing your health care like you need to take time off work if you're that sick you know what i mean like, yeah it's like, it, but it's like I had a friend who, who died. I had a business partner who died because he couldn't get a heart because yeah. there was no hearts. Yeah. So it's like people were dying for all sorts of things. Yeah. Like, and it's, it, anything happens with that. But yeah. Uh, but to bring it back to this, we'll just like wrap it up because I know you got stuff to do. I'm going on like a half hour. But like, so what do you, are you optimistic about the future of this place? I'm very optimistic about the future of the Austin comedy scene in general. Uh-huh. Um, but you and I both know that opening up that many clubs in this close proximity, it's a numbers game. Not all of them are going to, f- not all of them will, will succeed. No. Um, so I'm hoping I've been here long enough that I'm not one of the ones that gets, um, cut well, off the totem like pole. You, and everybody who seems to work here is fairly competent. I've been here for My four days. My staff is by far, like they are fucking rock stars. They are absolutely amazing. And they're, they're quick on the draw with, like they're, they're fast servers. I mean, these are all the guys... It's funny, I got here and I was like, oh, that's why you've worked the last two Skankfests. You've been here. That's correct. You know what I mean? I got here and re- instantly I've, recognized yeah. your entire wait staff. Yeah, and my entire wait staff are all incredible producers. They're incredible mm-hmm. showrunners. That's my entire showrunner staff is all from okay. the creek. So this is what I'm saying is like, so you got this going. You're optimistic about the scene, but the, yeah. We need more people. We need more comics. We need we need probably about a thousand more comedians to move here. A thousand comedians? If we're going to open six rooms and at least one of them is going to have like an OR style room where it's just past the mic from 7 to 2 a.m. Okay. Yeah, we need we need that many. We need a calling. I want Eddie Pepitone. I want Andy Kendler. <laughs> I'll make a list. But it's time It's time for them to start saving on taxes. That's yeah. the whole That's yeah, the whole point, right? Come down here and not pay state income tax. Exactly. <laughs> California. All right. So we need a thousand comedians a to thousand. come to Texas. I'm afraid Joe's going to call me and curse me out for saying that. For but. saying that you want a thousand. <laughs> yeah. I think you'd be happy if Eddie Pepitone ended up down here. Oh, fuck. I would be so stoked if he came. Yeah, he's sure. well, he's, he's going to be here um, in February for a weekend, but right. I, I I bet my eyelashes on him all the time. Like, come on, just move down here. I mean, it, look, I think people, I Tim said it in, at Skankford, we me, him, and Lewis were talking. He was like, I just need to be able to, if I know I could work three times a week, in a place and I don't have to pay state income tax. I mean, exactly. Uh, first of all, Tim Dillon is the person who talks me into moving to Austin. Four weeks after I moved down here, he informed me that he was leaving and that, and that I was too good for this place. I should get the fuck out. Okay. <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious. Um, but I uh, I think he should come back. Like, honestly, like, it's... Uh, it's such a better fit for him. But I just... I wish he didn't live so far away because it... it, it he has to drive like an hour to get to a spot. Oh. So it's not as much fun for him because it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish he had like a palatial like penthouse apartment in in, uh, in downtown Austin instead of like 45 minutes into those suburbs, you know? The fact that should just 
be in a robe overlooking a city. I agree. I agree. He should be the Hugh Hefner of our generation, just standing over and just staring at us from his penthouse. I would absolutely love that. It's I'm a sure good look could, for him. You could find an Asian kid to follow him around throwing firecrackers, I'm sure. We could definitely find that yeah, for well, him. Hans Kim probably needs a side gig. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty busy these days. Um, all right. So any, any parting thoughts? <clears throat> oh, when are you moving to Austin? You had a pretty fucking good time this past weekend, brother. I did have a good time. I think I need to pick up two more rental properties, and then I would have the cash flow to move down. Okay. I think that's the next couple of years. It's still half the cost in New York, man. My, I mean, my girlfriend works in production, so I need to get her a gig down here. She's a hop, skip, and a jump from L.A. She'll be great. She'll love it down here. That's fair. They gotta have if they have more jobs like that. I I, well, I want to leave New York. I mean, I it's you do. Yeah. I miss it. I, I, I hope that York. I eventually get to go back, but I won't. It won't be anytime soon with the fucking prices these days. It's insane. I, I was ready to leave. I was getting ready. I was like, okay, I don't know how much longer I can deal with this. And then COVID happened, and I was like, I'm not leaving my home. Yeah. When it's not doing well. Yeah, and I so get it. Now I'm. Still I there. felt like a real traitor leaving. There was. A, I had a. I had a. I had a. I mean, I wasn't born and bred. I was a military brat. But New York was the first place that really felt like home to me. Yeah, you were. I mean, so you were there for f- almost twenty years. Yeah, I mean, that's a long. That's so a like long time to be in leaving place. was leaving was really heartbreaking for me. And I've been back like six times since I left. Mm-hmm. And it's and it and it's also heartbreaking to see how much it's changed and not bounced back. And like you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And there's some places that are bounced back. Some places like my neighborhood didn't really get affected. But then like you go to some places, you're like, what the fuck. Yeah, it's like did it like it, it literally looks like ghost towns in certain neighborhoods sometimes. It's very weird. It's right, very well, weird. So everybody moved down to Austin. A thousand comedians. We need a thousand. A thousand. Comedians. Just one thousand on the nose. One thousand comedians, and we'll be ready to open seven more rooms. Yeah, there, there's going to be seven <laughs> comedy clubs for one thousand open mic comedians with. No, 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 no. We here. did not say open micers. <laughs> Said a thousand comedians. That one thousand professional, semi to fully professional <laughs> comedians, come on down to Austin. Rebecca's promising you a spot. On oh this show. my God! Get into her DMs. Thursdays, Just ten p.m. The drop-in. Yeah. Contact Bianca. Oh, I'm sure, she's gonna love that. <laughs> Instagram she she must get so many people asking her just oh, we're gonna wrap after this she must get so many people messaging her about that show that I slid into her DMs to ask for a spot oh, yeah. she didn't follow me and I got a message from Instagram telling me to be polite to people oh what like, I got one of those warnings like she must get so, a lot yeah yeah that's wild yeah that's wild but hit her up you know she'll put you on the show <laughs> I, I did it well you'll lose your Instagram account who yeah, knows yeah whatever good night <laughs> show me
Say good. 